check out my new book, Coping Courageously, a heart-centered guide for navigating a loved one's illness without losing yourself. It's appropriate for you as a clinician, for your patients, and for anyone you know who has a seriously ill loved one or an aging parent. Check it out and tell a friend. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast, where we talk about integrative symptom management and physician well-being, because every physician deserves to have satisfying work, and every patient deserves an effective and joyful physician. Let's get started. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a personal topic for me, but one that touches many, many people, and that is when a pet or an animal that you live with comes close to death or dies. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I had a dog who was sick, and you can hear her in many of the episodes coughing in the background because she had a collapsing trachea that gave her this constant cough. So I couldn't talk about it for a little while, but now I can talk about it. It's been a few weeks, and unfortunately, we had to put her to sleep. So she had a collapsing trachea, as I mentioned, which put her at risk of having a sudden suffocation event. This brings up one of the things that is difficult, I think, when you have an animal that is coming towards the end of their life and you have to decide about euthanasia. Now, of course, we don't have that issue with humans, in the US anyway, but we have it with animals. When is the right time? And so one of the things that's really hard is deciding when is the right time to euthanize. Because of course, you don't want to do it too soon, but you also don't want to wait too long and have the animal have unnecessary suffering. So we struggled with that. Even as a palliative care doctor, I felt like I should know the right time, but but I didn't. And I actually had to talk to the vet specifically about this because our dog, Coco, looked pretty good. She was coughing all the time, but she looked pretty good. She was eating still. She was enjoying her food and treats. So it didn't quite seem like it was a right time to euthanize her. But this is the important part. What the vet said was, yes, but... I do think it's the right time because the way she will die if you wait too long is she will suddenly suffocate to death. And that's hard to hear, right? And she said, look, it could happen when you're there and you could try to give her medicines to reduce her suffering. But what if it happens in the middle of the night? What if it happens when you're out of the house and she's alone and terrified and suffocating. And I, that really hit me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like that, I can't let that happen. So the perspective that she offered me, which again, you'd think I would know as a palliative care doctor, but it's different when you're in the middle of it. The perspective she offered me was the only thing that we can do now is reduce the chance that she has excruciating suffering. And her chance now when she was talking to us about this, every day that you wait increases the chance that she will die in an excruciating way. So you can't stop her from dying. You can't slow the progression of her disease, but you could make it so she doesn't die in an excruciating way. And so that was the thing that tipped us over to deciding it was time to euthanize her. But that decision is tough. So I think when a pet is coming close to the end, there really are three things that are particularly tough. And one of them is that, the decision to euthanize. When is it the right time? When is it too early? When is it about compassion? But then there sometimes is this feeling 
a friend recently used this term when they were going through this of, of feeling like the executioner, feeling like you're choosing the date of another creature's death. That's hard. So the decision part is hard and the balancing of the, the choosing the day, which feels hard, but also realizing that you're choosing the day out of compassion. You're choosing the day to reduce suffering, but that's hard. So that decision is hard. That's number one. Number two thing that I think is related but hard is the guilt. And particularly around euthanasia, I was shocked for my own self that I was able to feel guilty about two things at the same time, which is that I was choosing the date of her death and also that I maybe waited too long. Because when we really looked at her with clear eyes, we could see that she had been short of breath for a while and we just didn't really want to see it because we wanted to keep her around. So I, I managed to feel guilty that I was taking her life and that I didn't take it soon enough. So, so that guilt part is big. And, and there isn't really anything that can relieve it, but just we can look at it and acknowledge it. So the decision part is hard. The guilt part is hard. And then the third thing that I think is hard is, is kind of an invalidated loss in society. There are people who completely get the relationship that you can have with an animal. And then there are other people who don't, who either don't have animals or they have animals, but they don't feel that kind of, of really, really tight connection. And so a person who is losing or has lost an animal who is really impacted by it can feel like society invalidates their loss. Like, oh, it's just a dog. It's just a cat. You know, it's just a bird, whatever. It's not that big a deal. But the person themselves may be feeling a huge loss. It's just not validated by the people around them. And the small public service announcement associated with that is that if you are a person who doesn't really have this kind of connection with animals, just please remember that other people do. And if someone at work or someone you know comes to you and says that they've had a really significant loss, do your very best to remember that for them, that's a family member loss. So even though for you, it might not feel that way, for them, it really may. So those are the three things that are hard, the decision, the guilt, and the potential for invalidated loss. So what can we do about it? If you've lost an animal, I would say there are five things that we should do. And the first one is that we really should acknowledge the depth of the loss. So sometimes, even if we ourselves are animal lovers and feel a significant loss, we may even put that invalidated loss on ourselves and say, oh, I don't know why I'm such a mess. It's just a dog or it's just a cat. But we shouldn't do that. We should, if it is a deep loss for you, you should really acknowledge the depth of that loss. It's big. It's the loss of a family member. Number two, related to that, is we really should make space for the grieving. So when a person dies, we make space, right? We take off work. We let go of other responsibilities. We let people make us lasagna. So the loss of a close pet is a very significant loss. And we shouldn't keep going in the same way because that is a sign of invalidating our own loss. So take some time off work if you can, let go of other responsibilities if you can, crawl into bed with a stuffed animal if you want, you know, whatever the things are in your life that allow you to let go of regular responsibilities for a little bit and really sit in the loss because that's important, you should make space for that. So that's two. Number three, it can be helpful to honor the loved one who has been lost. So that can take a bunch of different forms. You could make a photo collage. You could share photos or videos with other people. You could make an honor corner in your house. You could have a ritual like a funeral. 
You could create an art piece. You could plant a tree. doesn't matter what the ritual is. Number four, we should expect the ups and downs. So it's really bad in the beginning. It can get a little better, but it can be reactivated if you see an animal that looks like the one that you lost or you see pictures or you watch videos. So ups and downs, just like grieving for a human or anybody else is expected and normal. So we shouldn't feel like, oh, well, you know, that was two weeks ago and I'm better now. And so I'm not going to feel it anymore. It goes up and down and that's normal. And then number five, we should reach out to people who get it because other people who have had really close relationships with animals truly get it. And people who haven't, no judgment, it's totally fine. It's not for everybody. But those aren't the people to reach out to for support because they may not get what a deep loss it is. So if you have lost an animal recently, acknowledge the depth of that loss for real. And number two, make space for your grieving. Let some of your regular responsibilities go and really take the time that you need to feel those feelings and start working through that grief. Don't just stuff it and keep going to work. Number three, make a place to honor the animal that was important to you or have some ritual around that. Number four, expect that it's going to go up and down. And number five, reach out to people who get it because that's where you get the the validation that's important. So I did all of these things for myself. And one of the things that I really was struck by was when you lose an animal who is really an integral part of your life and your day, everywhere you look, there are reminders. Our dog, Coco, was always in my home office with me and the home office felt empty. I actually didn't work in my office for a few weeks because I just didn't want to be in here. It felt different. I reached out to people who understood. And I think it's important for people who really get animals, who are connected to animals, to recognize that, yes, it's just an animal, just a pet, but there's something kind of special about them because they're so pure. Their love generally is unconditional except maybe for food. Maybe that's the only condition. But they're they're kind of pure of heart in a way that not every human is. And we don't usually have complicated childhood trauma associated with the animal. So there's kind of a pure connection and love with animals that we don't always have with humans. And, and that is part of why the loss is so great. Also, and this is what I found for myself, that They can be so woven into your regular life that life can feel strange without them, or they can be associated with a time of life. That was the case for me. So my children have both graduated from college now, just, but this dog was with us for most of the time we were raising them. And so she was kind of folded into this idea of having children at home and her being gone and them graduating, that made it perhaps an even bigger loss. So I think it's important for us to not just say, oh, it's just a dog, get over it, or oh, it's just a cat, get over it, but to really look at how the animal fit into the fabric of our life and honor that. You know, that's maybe why it was a little bit harder, but also it's important to honor that, that Coco, our dog, was with us for almost all of the time that we were raising our kids and that that's really precious and special. So if you have lost a pet recently, I just want you to know that I and all the other animal lovers, we feel you and we see you and we see how hard it is and we're with you. And if you made a decision to euthanize an animal to reduce their suffering, that is a love decision. That was the right decision that came from a place of wanting to reduce suffering. And that honors the animal that you loved so much. So Here's homework. If anybody knows somebody 
who has recently lost an animal or whose animal is coming towards the end of their life and is struggling, and you think that it would be a positive experience for them to hear this podcast, please send it along. All right. Thanks, you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next Thursday. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by the Integrative Palliative Institute. We help clinicians to help their seriously ill patients to thrive while creating a joyful life for themselves. Join our Facebook group, which is the Integrative Palliative Medicine Interest Group. And if you want to learn more about adding integrative symptom management to your practice, go to integrativepalliative.com where you'll find some great resources.